0: Alright, you guys hear me? Am I good? Alright, so I know in in the morning service you guys heard about me going to Maranatha and changing, and some of you guys it was like a shock and a surprise. Um, so I just want to, first of all, you know, open up my with my testimony and why I'm here, and then I'm going to dive into my message that the Lord has laid upon my heart. And um, so I'm going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to start from high school, like I'm going to start from my senior year of high school. I uh, was a football player at Oklahoma Heights High School, and my whole high school career, I was just taught that football was going to be my way out, and I just trained for that. I didn't train. I mean, I, may, I had a 3.5 three, GPA. I didn't have that, you know, have football overtake my schools, but, um, but football was like my passion, and I wanted it, and I wanted uh, to go in NFL and make money. And become all famous. And that, that was where I was at. And um, I had the same mentality going into my freshman year of college. And um, when I was at college, um, I started as a freshman. I had a girlfriend at the time. And I was like on cloud nine. I was loving it. I was loving life. And, um, but uh, before I came back home after my freshman year, uh, after first semester, uh, my family, I always text my mom when I'm out of school, and she was telling me how um, they start going to church. And they started, I mean, they're not every Sunday, but it's every, every other Sunday or something. And uh, that's what they started telling me. And I was like, well, that's cool. So I, go, I, I get back from school for Christmas break, and my first time coming here was for the Christmas Eve service where um, my, me and my family went. And that was the first time I came here, the only time over that break. And I went right back to school. Nothing changed. Um, I didn't I have a change of heart. Um, I didn't feel anything. I, I still didn't know what I believed in. And um, But then I broke up with my girlfriend, and um, I, I started getting injured. So like football, and then me breaking up with my girlfriend. I went to Clown Nine to Grounded, and um, I didn't... I didn't know what to do to fill that void. Um, I never, like, partied or drank in high school, but I started experimenting after this. And I started wanting to fill a void. and started finding, wanting to find myself. And um, sure enough, I, I mean, I, I stopped working out, stopped, you know, training for football. And I was just like, I'm, I'm in college to have fun now. And that's what a lot of people think, especially my age. That's what they think. They want to fill this void, and they just want to have fun. So um, summer comes. And that's when I started going to church with my family here, and that's when I was saved and baptized. Heard the gospel. I heard. Um, I felt the change. Uh, God broke my heart to a million pieces, and that's when He just changed me. And um, it was hard to tell the change during summer, but once I got right back to school to start my sophomore year, that's when I noticed the change. It was when we moved in, my family. I said bye to them, and then. Um once, we, once they left, i come back to my room. I was rooming with three other guys, my, one of my three best friends. And then they're just like, boom, boom, boom. Of course, they have a sailor's mouth. And I had one before. So I start talking to them again as soon as I walk in the room. And then one slips out. And then that's when I just felt like my heart just like, I just felt something, like prick at it and from that time forward i did not and i, I put my i, I put my foot, the foot down and i did not cuss i, I changed i wanted to, i wanted to make a difference i wanted to chase god then and that's what i had that and um and then my friends knew it and everyone knew it at the time and uh so that's when i started um football and tore my hamstring the very first practice so i was out out for the season but i was okay i i, I was optimistic about it i was positive and I even started um, going to church with one of my friends from the football team. His name was Darius Price. We call him DP. and um, he, he is an aspiring pastor too. He was very, I saw him um, as soon as I, when I was a freshman, I saw him on the team. He was a sophomore at the time. I just knew he had something about him. It was like a glow about him, and then he was, a, he was just always like happy, always positive, and always wanting people to go to church. So I started going there and I started going to his church. And I was loving it. I was getting encouraged, motivated, and I, I, mean, I just felt, I felt real good. And, um, and during this time, I started like getting um, more hungry and pulled towards watching sermons and uh, reading the Bible. I actually, picking up reading the Bible. This whole time, through all summer, I didn't read the Bible, and I was saved. I got saved, baptized. But it, that's our sanctification. It's a process. And um, so, so then I started getting more hungry for the Word of God. And when I was doing that... Um, one of my friends, he, I don't know how he decided to come to me. It was the providence of God. And he, he came to me, and uh, he was struggling with a suicide. And he had, um, it was, he was going through a rough time, and um, he just wanted to talk to me. And I, I'd like, sometimes, I mean, I just say what I, what I feel, like, on my heart when I was talking to him. But then, like, I had this show up multiple times in my life when people that needed help, they just somehow got to me. And, I was, and, and then they found encouraging, me, encouraging um, me, and then I also encouraged them. So that started happening, and I started to study more. It like, lit a fire. And then my friend DP, before I left for summer, he wanted to start um, a, a Bible, like, Bible study ministry on campus called Compel uh, Ministry. And uh, I told him, um, because I started getting more hungry for the Word of God, I told him I was like I want to preach in front of them. So all over summer, I promised him him that I was going to dive into the Word, become educated, mature in the faith, and I was going to be prepared to speak to the students. And um, so that was the plan. And that summer came. So it was last summer. And during my studies, I found out that DP in the church I was going to uh, it was false teaching. It was the word prosperity gospel. And, um, I mean, they spoke in tongues and, and everything like that. And I, I was actually trying to. I was trying to learn how to speak in tongues. And I was, I was on that path. And um, and when I learned that, um, it, th- I knew God was guiding me in the right direction. And um, it was so hard because, like, I, I get back. Um, it was this, this past year, so my junior year of school, very first day. I go up to DP, and I want to talk to him about... Theology. I want to get in the Bible, talk Bible with him, and he loves it too. And um, and we had long talks, like it would be like till four a.m. in the morning on a on a summer a camp schedule. So that means I got to wake up two hours later and start prat- two practices for football. And we stayed up that late, just just wanting. I, I just wanted to wanted to like, get him to know that, like, hey, you're following the wrong thing. This is not. You're deceived, and that's why I wanted him to know. I made no progress. He was so deep into it, and uh along with that, I uh, hurt my shoulder. I'm out for football again um that's when I was just like all I had was God that's all I could lean on and um I kept talking with d p and um I, I felt I felt led to talk with the pastor, so I set up a meeting with him and his pastor and um I know I was talking to Pastor Jamie about it, and he um, he was helping me uh, what to expect, and he, he, he wanted to make sure that it 's what is what God wanted and it 's where he 's leading me i didn 't want to go in there thinking i didn 't know what I was talking about and then just get shot down by a, a pastor but um, that whole meeting I, I, I stayed in the word, and they kept going to experiences. I stayed in the word they would go to experiences and i didn 't want to hear that I want to hear a word I want to hear there I want to hear the Bible spoke to me and um, and i didn 't get that so the turning point. And why I'm here today was when um, our starting running back, it was in the offseason, our starting running back, uh, he hung himself in his basement. And uh, he, was, he was battling um, depression, and um, he committed suicide. And I heard that my, during my Christmas break. So this, this last Christmas, that's when I heard it. And, um, and we went as a team to the memorial. Body wasn't there, but it was like all his friends from high school. The whole team was there. We wore our jerseys and we're all there. And that, that, I can, I can say today that that moment, I've never felt like the most fire from the Holy Spirit in my heart from that day because that, that pastor stood up there and I mean, he might as well just did this and just took the Bible out the, out the door and, um, and I, and I just I have pain, I have so much pain, because he, he, he lifted Fox up as an idol. That was his name, Dante Fox. And he lifted him up as an idol, and he said, live like him, live like him. And there was other things that, like, I can't go into um, just because of the sake of time. But, like, it, that's when I knew that, like, God had a plan for me, and it's to it's the, it's the be biblical in an unbiblical time. And um, so that's why I'm here today. And I'm going uh, to uh, share with you guys uh, a short little message that um, is, the, is what the Bible calls of first importance. And 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3 through 5. We could turn there. First Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. This is what he says. This is what Paul says. For I delivered to, unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he ro- that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And then he then he was seen of Cephas or Peter. Then to the twelve, Paul. We should listen to Paul when he, when he's writing this stuff in the Bible. And, um, and he says, the gospel is of first importance. And I want to go, I want to share with you guys today how the gospel has to be first importance. Because from um, what I've experienced in false teaching and everything like that, if we're not rooted in, in the gospel, in the biblical gospel, then everything else is off. In everything else, we compromise. And in everything else, we let astray. We lead others astray. In America right now, the gospel is reduced. We've reduced it in America. We've, re- we've reduced it to make it easy, make it more attractive to come. And if you just come to church, then Jesus loves you. And that's false. That's false. And, um, and so many of, of people my age and younger, our generations, are falling into that. And they, and they feel like they have a part in it. And, and, and they feel loved because that's what they want. they want. They want to know God, but they're fed this false um, information about the gospel. And um, the problem in America today is not liberalism, it's not Hollywood, it's not anything like that, not socialism, it's the pulpit. It's the pulpit, it's, it's pastors getting up preaching false doctrine and leading us astray, thinking that all this stuff, all this sin, homosexuality is fine, but it's not. And that's where the problem lies. And this is, this is why you need biblical pastors like Pastor, like Pastor Jamie, to stand up here and stay, stand on the word. Because if they don't, it, all we're doing, as I would quote Leonard Ravenhill, um, all we're doing if we don't do this, we're giving people that want God, that want to fill the void, a shot to put them to sleep to get them to hell quicker if we don't stand on it. And for, uh, I, I want to go into my text, my core text, uh, Romans 3, verses 23 through 27. A lot of theologians, a lot of known theologians uh, have said before that this, this section right here, this section of verses that I'm going to give you is the most important set of verses in the whole Bible. In the whole Bible. And I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to pray after. So, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness... That he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Father, I pray that you open our hearts, you give to those with ears to hear, let them hear your message of the gospel. The center of Christianity, the the center of your redemption plan. Lord, I pray we we praise you for it. And I pray that you open up our hearts to dive deep into the gospel and not to listen to what other people say, but going for it for ourselves and search for you and, and your attributes and the gospel. Lord, we thank you. I pray you bless this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 23. Paul says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Earlier in Romans 3, in verses 10 through 18, Paul also, this whole time leading up to this, he describes us as man in our state, in our nature, in our being, as a fallen creature. How none of us seek for God, none of us are good, none of us, none of us love God, we all hate God, we're rebels, we're at, we're at odds with God, and um, and. We're facing God's wrath. That's what he's explaining. And, and in verse 23, um, he's, he's just hitting it right there again, telling us that we have all sinned. Not one of us haven't sinned. And for one sin, the cost of it is hell. And, um, and the, the, the main part about the gospel is that um, it, it, when people start straying away, you forget who God is, you forget who, what sin is, and we forget who we are. And that's the three things that we need to know when we think of sin, when we think of the gospel, when you think of those three things, when you think of who God is and who, what, he, what he is, how holy he is, how his patience is, and how his justice is and everything. And then we need to know what sin is and how much God hates it and how we've done it and how we're born in it and how we're just covered in it. And then who we are. Who we are, we're totally depraved. And in, in, in ourselves, we can't be right with God. We can't get right with God. But God has to has to make us right. God has to do this. And that's what that's what you see in verse 24. When he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So justified, it means God forensically and legally declares us in his eyes that we're just and that we're righteous. In his eyes. It doesn't mean that we become righteous. Like, as soon as we, we believe and we are saved, we don't become righteous. Because if we became righteous then, we would live, we would live a sinless life the rest of the way. But we, we all know that's not true. And, uh, and then he goes into uh, freely by his grace. This, this explains a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift. We didn't deserve it. <laughs> we didn't deserve it. He gave it to us freely by his grace and through a gift of his faith. So, and then in redemption... Redemption is um in the Bible it means um bought freedom for a slave or a prisoner, so through Christ and his works and his blood, we as sinners can be justified and redeemed only by his only by his works and his merit and um and people uh, people don't realize that like when they don't think of the gospel, they don't realize that, like, us as man, like, before, before I was saved, before God changed me, um, I was a slave to sin. I was a prisoner in sin. And I couldn't do anything to get out. But God, God made it possible for me to get out. And um, so as I was going through this, um, just of what we read through 23 and 24, um, there's already a problem. There's a dilemma. There's a dilemma. Because... Paul says we've all sinned. We have all sinned. But God made a way through Jesus Christ um, that he can justify us. But how how can a just God justify wicked people? Because we're wicked and we don't deserve this mercy and this grace. We don't deserve to be justified. We can't be justified. Think of it this way. Um, A judge and um, a judge and a murderer, he murdered a family, he slaughtered a family. And the judge looks at that murderer and says, you know what, I'm a gracious and loving judge. I set you free, you're justified, you're not punished. Today, think about what people would be saying about him on the news. That judge is more wicked than the murderer himself because of how unjust he is. So that's the problem we see right now. Like, this is, this is the question that, that, that's supposed to come up when we read this, is that how can a just God make a fallen creature like us, covered in sin, unjust, wicked, totally depraved, how can he justify us? It's the great dilemma. In Proverbs 17:15, you don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you. Um, it says, Who, whoever justifies the wicked is an abomination before the Lord. But we just, we just read in verses 23 and 24 that God justifies the wicked. And, and if we read that, then that means, that means God is abomination before himself. And this is, this is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the only reason that we can even come here today and meet today. And then in, ver, in verse 25, we see the answer. So in verse 25, in Romans 3.25, it says, Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation... Through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The word propitiation. Uh, the Puritans believed that the word propitiation itself, um, apart from the name of God in the Bible, is the most important word in the Bible. Propitiation. Propitiation is this is crucial to the gospel, and it carries of it appeasement or satisfaction. That's what it means. And it means appeasement of wrath and the satisfaction of justice. And to understand that even more, you got to understand the word expiation, which is what happened to Jesus on the cross. And then this results in that God's wrath that was pointed at us as sinners was satisfied and swallowed up by Jesus. That's the expiation. And that means his justice, God's justice is satisfied. So that means if like, If you had bitterness towards a person, for some reason, and means are, you know, met, now there's no bitterness, now there's no hate. And then now when you look at that person, instead of like thinking, having those bitter thoughts and everything, now you're just like, you know what, I can fellowship with you now. I can be a friend with you now. And that is, (laughs) that's what expiation is. That means God's wrath was swallowed up by Jesus. And that means his justice, now he is just, to justify the unjust through this expiation. So, the expiation of Jesus Christ is propitiation. And then, um, and, in and forbearance, the forbearance, uh, and the, the, the second half of that verse, forbearance of God. This is points to his patience and goodness. His patience and goodness. Because, in, in all reality, in Genesis, the book should have ended right there as soon as uh, um, man sinned, it should have ended right there. They should have been destroyed by God and they, we want to be here that I mean God told him the, the the price of sin is death he wasn't saying the price of sin is like later going to die no he said death like right now but his goodness and his patience like withheld that justice to a later date and that later date was the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ now this is if you guys forget everything else I just said, I want you guys to take away from this sermon what I 'm about to go over right now, and it, it concerns the center of the gospel, which is the cross where the crucifixion took place. This is funny because um, you, we have to be reminded and have to be rooted in the gospel because as man, we, we grow numb, we grow numb to god 's grace and his goodness. And then, like, how we're so numb to, like, how I'm even breathing right now or how you're breathing right now. That's his grace. And um, we just take it for granted. And that's just how our sin nature is. But, like, when we, when we read in the Old Testament that, like, God destroyed Simon and Gomorrah, or even worse, Uzzah in the Ark of the Covenant. And Uzzah just wanted to make sure the Ark of the Covenant didn't touch the mud. And God just struck him down immediately, killed him right there. And then when we look at that, we're like, okay, what's up with like God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament? Old Testament, he's like he's grumpy. That's what it seems like. He's a little grumpy. But then like in the New Testament, he's all loving. And, and 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 that's and that's just how it is. Like like, we, like when we read something like that, uh we that's how we are. We're just numb to the grace. And um, but if there was a spot that we can actually say, God, what are you doing here? Like, like, what's going on? Um, it should be. It shouldn't be in, with the flood. It shouldn't be with uh, Aaron's sons. It shouldn't be with Uzzah. It should be at the cross. Because we see a sinless son of God being punished by God, being killed by God. And that's the, that's the part we're reading that we should be like, what is going on? Like, Like, why? I don't understand how, how God can do this to a person that did not deserve it. Because we all deserve it. We all deserve to be hung up on a cross, beaten until we don't look like a man, and we deserve the hell, uh, eternity in hell. But the cross is where that propitiation is exalted, and that's where we see it. The physical stuff that happened to Jesus was symbolic. It was bad. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It was bad. Uh, movies and stuff, don't do it justice. Um, because... Jesus, they, they said in the Bible, he didn't even look, he can not even tell he was a man. They just saw flesh. They just saw flesh on that cross. And it was bad. But if, if that's all that happened to Jesus, we're not, we can't be saved. Because what really, what, what, what Jesus was scared of when he was looking at that cup in the garden, what he, what he was like, God, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass for me. But he knew the will of the Father. He volunteered himself. He wasn't scared of a nail or a cross or the spear or the whip. He wasn't scared of that. But he looked in that cup and he saw the wrath of his father. That's what made him pray. That's when you hear him say, if this be your will, your will be done, not mine. Because he knew what it was going to, he was God in the flesh. So he knew the gospel. He knew what was going to happen from it. But he was in the flesh still. So that's why you hear that questioning. He was still in the flesh. But he knew. He knew what had to take place. In Isaiah 53.10, it says, It was the will of the Lord. A little, little side note here. When you see in the Bible, Lord, all capitalized, it's pointing to um, not, not just the meaning of Lord, but it's pointing to the name of God, Yahweh, or Yeshua, Yahweh and it's points to the name of God when you see it all capitalized. So don't just think it's like a typo and stuff like that. So it was the will of the Lord Yahweh to crush him, him being Jesus on the cross. In Isaiah 53, if you read all that, that that depicts Jesus on the cross. And it says in in verse 10, that "it pleased the Lord as the will." And when you get your will satisfied, you're pleased. It pleased the Lord Yahweh to crush him. And the wrath of God for three hours on the cross, when it all went black, that was when the wrath was unleashed on Jesus when he was hung up on the cross. That was when, that was when he experienced, picture this. How many sins did it take for us as man to be fallen? It was, just took one. And what was the cost of that? An eternity in hell. Now, all, of, all believers, all the believers, and all their sins they've ever, ever committed in their whole life. And you got to count them. I can't count mine. I know you guys can't count yours. But for every one of those, it equals hell. So God, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, on that cross, took the wrath of God for the believers. And that how, however many hell and eternities that is, on the cross, that is what he went through. And he went through it in three hours. It didn't take eternity. It didn't take, oh, uh, you, you got, you know, wait there a little bit. It went black for like a, a whole bunch of years, thousand years. No, it took three hours. And then Jesus said, it's finished. He said, it's finished. And when he said, why, why have you forsaken me? When he, asked, when, when he yells that out, that's because that is the final punishment in hell when you when you're in hell you you take on the wrath yes you have the wrath of god but then also you got to deal with the fact that 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 when you're living up, when we're living now right now we're in the presence of god and he's given us this breath given us all this stuff but in hell we don't i'm not going to say I'm not going to say he's not in hell because he is his wrath is in hell but he, but he he takes away his grace his common grace that we see every day that we wake up and that's what he takes away. So when you're in hell, that Jesus was experiencing, where have you gone? Where have you gone? I thought this was all I had. This is all I needed. He said, where have you gone? That is the final punishment in hell. That's probably what hurts the most, is knowing that God is no longer the God that you took for granted once you're in hell. And but but God... On the cross, he made a propitiation so he can be the just and the justifier, as we read in verse 26. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So that is the answer to the great dilemma that we see. That is the answer to everything, to the gospel, to everything. Everything that we do, the gospel's the answer to. And if we, if we just think that the gospel is just like a, like a starting stone in Christianity, then we can just leave it behind, that's not true Christianity. The gospel is centered on the cross of Christ and what happened there. And um, the resurrection of Christ is where we see God satisfied is where we see that yes this is the worthy sacrifice and this resurrection is proof that God was um, Jesus was the son of God and it was proof that he is the only way to heaven there's no other way and that he's the only sacrifice so there's no other sacrifices we have to make and that he is the way and that's what we see with the resurrection This is the gospel this is the gospel It wasn't Jesus just, you know, getting beat up by some Roman soldiers and threw up on a cross and to die. What killed him was the wrath of God and it needed to be a death because sin penalty equals death. He needed to die on that. But what he took that saved us, that saved us as believers, was the wrath of God. It wasn't the beatings. It was the wrath of God. And this is the center of the gospel. Now, as I close... I want to um, turn your attention to 2 Corinthians five, twenty through 21 This is what he says. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's Jesus. He knew no sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. And he made him sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So at the cross, this is the beautiful part, is that when God changes your heart and you become a believer, he gives you the gift of faith and the gift of grace to accept, to have faith in his son, that he paid for your sins on the cross. The beautiful part of it is now this. On the cross, Jesus died the death that each and every one of the believers deserved, only to do this, to be able to look at us now as if he's looking at Jesus Christ. Because now we are sinless, we are covered, and we, and, and, and we are righteous before him. And that's the beauty of it all. And then uh, put your attention to uh, the first half of that, that verse, in uh, verse 20. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. So once we become believers, we're ambassadors for Christ. This is why we spread the gospel. This is why we spread the good news that God has, has given us, because we're ambassadors now. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We're ambassadors now. And he said, we pray you in Christ's stead. He said, God did beseech you by us. So when we're sharing the gospel, we are God beseeching to them, to the lost, to come to him, to come to him, because he has made a way. He's made a way through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of power in this, and I can keep going forever. <laughs> but but this, is, this is important, and, and, I, and I really got to hit on this. Um, if you're an unbeliever, this, is, this isn't good news. This isn't a gospel. This is scary news. Because if you're an unbeliever, just like in the verse we just read, we're, we're, we're made just and righteous in his eyes through the blood of Jesus Christ and the faith that we have in him. But if there is no faith in Jesus Christ, you, you're facing God's wrath still. And if you're an unbeliever here today, we, as a body of believers, we beseech you on account for God as ambassadors to come. To come and let you know that the only way to heaven is through the, side, the, 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 the cut in his side, through Jesus' side. That's the only way to heaven. It's only through Jesus that he can go there. You, you, there's no other way. And this is where we see it. This is where you see it unfold because this is the truth. And this is the, I mean, there's so much power in the gospel in itself. And, I, I, and I, I know many of us are believers. And I just want to share this with you guys so that you stay rooted in it. And maybe you never even heard it like this before. But I want you to know that this is the truth. This is, what, this is what God, this is God's plan for redemption. And I want you to stay rooted in it. Because everything else, if you're not rooted in the gospel, is in vain. It's, you miss it. You miss it. And um, I just, that's what he laid upon my heart. Now let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myobaptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.